glad to have everybody here today. And thank you for everybody. Thank you for allowing us to experiment. Because I feel like that's what we've been doing for the last three months is experimenting, trying to figure out exactly what to do and what not to do, how to do that, and the best ways to do that. And I appreciate everybody online. I appreciate everybody that's here today. Thank you for allowing us to do that. Uh, we are still not through experimenting because there's still a lot more to experiment with. And so thank you for just rolling with the punches and going with us. We appreciate each and every one of you very, very much. We are in a series on the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. And this morning we look at the, uh, the beatitude, Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Before we get into our text this, this morning, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. God, we come before you this morning, and I thank you for all those who are joining us today, whether in person or online. I thank you that you have given us these avenues by which we can reach not only our people, but reach to a world that needs you. And Lord, I know that there are hearts here that are mourning, even today. Mourning people who they have lost, but also mourning maybe those who are sick those who are going through difficult times. Lord, I pray that you will watch over us as we study today. I pray that you will heal our hearts, that you will help us. All of us deal with grief in our lives. All of us deal with pain. All of us deal with suffering. And Lord, we pray this prayer through the one who knows what suffering is. To the one who took it, our sins upon him. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, as we have done in past weeks, we're going to look at this passage, and we're also going to look at this passage and what other versions actually say. So let's look at this. This is the one that I just uh, quoted. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. The New Century Version says, blessed they are blessed who grieve, for God will comfort them. And then the New International Reader's Version actually says, Blessed are those who are sad, they will be comforted. And then the message says this, You're blessed when you feel you lo you're, you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. <clears throat> On Monday of this past week, about 3 a.m. in the morning. <clears throat> we received a phone call that Deborah's dad had passed away. 
Deborah's dad was 95. He was a good man. And over the past three years, he has been in mourning. It's because three years ago, his wife, Verna, died. And he has been mourning ever since and wanting to go home, as he would say, to be with her. He had his DNR, do not resuscitate, paper. He carried it around with him everywhere he went. Because if anything happened, he wanted to push that into the face of every person and say, don't you dare touch me. That's kind of how he was. He was ready to go home. For the past three years, Deborah and I have mourned with him. We have seen his decline physically. We have seen his decline mentally. He was already hard of hearing, and without his sweet wife there to interpret everything to him, we watched him as he also mourned us. We mourned that he isolated himself more and more. And so when we got that phone call from the assisted living place in Altus, really, I think Deborah's brother called, it reminded me of a passage in Jeremiah chapter 31. It says, I will turn your mourning into joy. I will turn your mourning into joy. In the day of Billy Gray's death was not a day of mourning for us. It was a day of joy. He was home and his soul is with the Father. And that was joy. And many of you can understand that. You can understand, yes, he's not here anymore, but he is in a far better place. That's because we have hope that a lot of people out there don't. We have hope that a lot of people out there don't. Now, as we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount, as we've been talking about the passages of Scripture, understand that we're looking at this in kingdom language. This is kingdom language. But Jesus in the Beatitudes, this is an invitation, not a proclamation of exactly what we're supposed to have in our heart and what we're supposed to do. Understand that what Jesus is doing is, is he's teaching to the crowds, to the crowds. And as those people are on those hillsides that day, as they are there on that day, he knows that there's a ton of different people there with a lot of different things going on in their lives. And he wants to give them an, an idea. He wants to give them a picture of what kingdom can be. And he knows, he knows on that hillside that there are people on that hillside who are mourning. Not just mourning loss, but mourning many other things. 
I do want to tell you something. I'm not an expert on grief by any means. I could probably get about five of the seven stages of grief if you push me on them. But I am not an expert on grief. But I think one of the things that all of us in our lives have a fear of is we try to avoid the reality of our own mortality. We don't want to die. We don't want to die. And so we avoid anything at all about our mortality. Now in Ecclesiastes 8 verse 8, Solomon said this. He said, no man has the power to retain the spirit or power over the day of their death. No man has a power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. We try to push death as far away as possible, don't we? I mean, in our society, we try to do that as, we just want to get it away from us as far as we can. And so we do the right things in order to do that. We eat right, all of us do right. And then we exercise, everybody exercises. We do those things because why? Because we're wanting to push that all the way out there. And there are many people, many people that don't even want to look like they're older. So there's plastic surgery, there's all these things to make you look younger because we want to push death and push our mortality a lot further down the road. Just going down, I don't want you here. And that's why, that's why I believe that many of us, many of us don't like to go to nursing homes. We don't like to go to an assisted living place. We don't like to be around older people because it reminds us that one day, one day, each and every one of us will be there unless something happens first. Because see, what we do is we enjoy this box, this box of pleasure, this box of safety, this box of security. We like this box that we're in. And what happens is, in our lives is, is there's usually, there's usually a disruption in our life that moves us out of that space into another place. Now, I'm going to move away from death and grief, and I'm going to talk about those things that we mourn about. Just think of the people on the hill that day. What losses they had in their life. Many of them probably said, man, I lost my job. I can't even make any money right now. I'm having to beg, and so I'm going to the gate, the city gate, to sit there and beg. Many of them may have had injuries, and they're on crutches or whatever to get there on that hillside to see Jesus because they want to see Jesus. And he's saying, blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And then you think about all those who were diseased. 
You think about all those who had illnesses. You think about your life. And if I could ask you a question, one question, and here's the question. What are the most significant, what are the most significant or defining moments in your life? What would you write down? Most of us would write down, it may have been that time I lost my job. It may have been that time I lost my son or my daughter. It may have been that time when my child was stillborn. And when we look at the significant moments in our lives, those significant days and those times, a lot of them, I believe, especially as you get a little older, a lot of them deal with loss. A child who loses a father. You see those types of losses in their lives. And those are the things we mourn about. Those are the things we mourn about. The people on the mountainside that day were mourning and they were afflict afflicted in so many ways. And Jesus comes and Jesus comes and he says, he says, blessed are those that mourn. I'm on your side. Remember we talked about that last week? Jesus saying, I'm on your side. It came from Psalm 118 verse 7 which says, The Lord is on my side as my helper. Jesus says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was in the beginning with God. In the beginning was love, and love was with God, and love was God, and love was in the beginning with God. In the beginning was comfort, and comfort was with God, and comfort was God, and comfort was in the beginning with God. Jesus is our comfort. Jesus is love. Jesus is the Word. And when we see these things, we understand what Jesus is saying here is, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Because I am the comforter. Our comfort comes from Jesus Christ. Our comfort comes from God. Our comfort can only be found in Him. When life seems like a mess and everything seems to be going wrong and we're mourning from one time to another and our life is not what we expected and we have all these things going on in our lives that we're mourning over in our lives, there's only one hope. 
There's only one hope, and that's Jesus Christ. So here's my question. Because I know in an audience like this, and I know online, there are a lot of people who have times of mourning in their life. And what I want to do this, this morning is I just want to look at three. Man, we could, we, could, we, could just, we could do a lot. We could talk a lot about this. You could sit down and you could just ask yourself, you could just write down all those times you go, man, I'm mourning about this, I'm mourning about this. Mourning about that. Those are the things I've mourned over. I turned 60 this year. I'm mourning that. I'm mourning that. Because, because I can't do all the things I used to do. And because... I can even notice that I am aging because used to I could get outside and work in the yard without ever cutting myself and now it just takes a little bit and I'm you know got to cut here got to cut there got to cut there anybody been there I'm trapped hang on okay my cord got behind there and I can't even move I was like oh. okay. <laughs> And I mourn that. I mourn my life in many ways. Those are things I, I, I wish I had back, but I can't. And a lot of us are like that. So how does one rise above all the inevitable loss in our lives? Because there is this disruption that happens many times in our lives. And that, ruption, that disruption takes us out of our box. We love our box of safety and security. We love our box of this is the way life is always going to be. We love our box like that. But I tell you over and over, and you will know this, and most of you already know this. I don't have to tell you this. It, you don't always stay in the box, do you? The box is not always there. Because many times, many times, that disruption is something that causes us to get out of the box. It's the word cancer. It's the word death. It's many, many different words in our life. Many, many different words in our life. So how does one rise above the inevitable loss in one's life? You know, Jesus, he said, I came, and remember, he, he's teaching in the synagogue, and he takes out uh, the, the scriptures, and they ask him to read, and he's going to read in, the, in Luke chapter 4, and he gets this passage of scripture, and he goes to Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2, and he reads this verse, okay? He reads this passage, and here's what the passage says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now listen to the loss in here. The disruption in people's lives. The Spirit of the Lord, of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Do you think that was a loss to a lot of people in their lives? never expected to be poor. I never expected that to happen to me. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Those whose hearts have been broken by things in their lives, and all of us have those. To proclaim liberty to the captives. This isn't the prisoners, these are the captives. Those that are held captive by alcoholism, by disease, whatever it is. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Ever been shackled? By sin or something else? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now here's the thing. Get this. That's where in Luke chapter 4 Jesus stopped. That's not the end of verse 2. What you're seeing on the screen is the end of verse 2. And every single person that Jesus said this to would have known because they know the Psalms, because that's something they sang, that's something they went over all the time in Jesus' day. They knew the Psalm and they knew this passage. Why? Because it meant so much to them because they were mourning what they had lost. And they looked at this and they go, Jesus is the one who can help us because he's bringing good news. And then it says this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. And here's the other thing, to comfort all who mourn. This was Jesus' purpose. This is kingdom language. If you're coming into my kingdom, I want you to know that I am on your side. And no matter the loss in your life, no matter what's going on in your life, I want you to know that I am your helper. I am your comforter. And you think of John chapter 15, 16, and 17, and you think of the Holy Spirit. Do you not right then? I am your comforter, I am your helper, and God sent us that Holy Spirit. All right, let me give you three examples. Here's the first one. My unfulfilled expectations are an opportunity to trust God. My unfulfilled expectations are an opportunity to trust God. My children didn't turn out the way I thought they would. I, my status is not what I thought it would be. I thought it would be here, and I'm here. My spiritual life is not where it should be, and I know that's my fault. Do I trust that God has placed, do we trust that God has placed us right here, right now, in this place for such a time as this? And if we do, if we do, then I don't get mad because of all the unfulfilled expectations in my life. I don't get mad. But many people do. But if I realize that God has me here for a purpose to do and to trust Him in this moment, can I trust Him in this moment? Can I trust Him right here, right now, in this moment? When I think it's a disruption, when I hear all these things and it looks like, oh my, I'm not going to be able to, to get through this. And God says, trust me. Trust me. Your unfulfilled ex expectations, those things that you thought were going to happen that aren't, they're an opportunity for us to trust in God. 
The problem is that many times, problem is many times we want to do everything on our own. We want to take care of those things and we want to make sure that we can do that. I was reading the other day in Genesis 16 of Sarah and Abram, who's Abram's wife, and you can look at this passage on the screen, and I just I came across just one little word in there, and I thought, uh-huh, yep, exactly how we did. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. Unexpected, unfulfilled expectations. Sarah wanted children. She couldn't have children. And she thought probably as a child and as a young wife, she was going to have children. But no, she has not had children. No, no children at all. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Who's, he, who's she blaming already? God. Go into my servant, Hagar, it may be that I shall obtain children by her. If I can't trust God for this, I am going to rely on my own power to have children. And I thought that was an interesting phrase there. I shall obtain. I shall obtain it. I shall do this on my own. We want to control our own destinies, don't we? We do. We do. I'm just like you. We all want to control our own destiny. But when disruption happens in our life, when those things happen that are unexpected, we don't know what to do. And we have to trust God in those moments. Rick Warren said this, and I love this little thing that he had. It says, there is no growth without change. There is no change without loss. There is no loss without pain. And there is no pain without grief. All right, I want to show you something here in just a second. Not yet, Greg, but just a second. The other example I have of loss is this, and you can write, I, I would say write it down, but no one has a bulletin, but anyway, here we go. My gap is an opportunity, my gap is an opportunity to rely on God's grace. My gap, my gap is an opportunity to rely on God's grace. Every one of us have a gap in our lives. From the person I am to the person I want to be to the person God wants us to be. And so, we can put this up here now, Greg. Okay. So, here on the left is the me I am right now. On the right is Jesus Christ. All of us are trying to attain to Jesus Christ, to be like him, to be made into him, his image. In Matthew 5, verse 48, this is the Sermon on the Mount, it says this, you be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You be complete. You be complete as your heavenly Father is complete. You be like him. I'm going, I'm sorry, but, and so, so, what, what we do is we try. We move, we move, 
and we try to move forward toward the cross. And then we move back. Then we get here. And I'm, I mourn that I am not more like Jesus. I mourn that. I mourn the sins in my life that I know I shouldn't have. I mourn those things. Now, I know that this side of heaven, I am not going to make it all the way here. I get that, because if I do, I don't need Jesus, do I? If I can do that on my own, I don't need Jesus. So while I'm striving to move closer to him and be like him, I mourn that. But that space in between here, I can only rely on one thing. And that's God's grace. Is it not? God's grace. And I believe all of us mourn that gap in our lives. And we're striving with all our hearts to do what we need to do. But remember this verse? This verse it says, For by God's grace, God's grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. I can't get there without God. I can't get there without Christ. I can't get there without his blood. I can't get there without his grace. I've got to have his grace. And yet, while I still mourn that, here's the other thing I know. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. By whom? By the comforter. By Jesus Christ himself. He's our comforter. Not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. And I know God loves me. I understand that. And I'm not saying that this is a works-based religion. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you've got to do this in order to make it to here. That's not what I'm saying. Please do not hear that. I'm telling you what's going on in my heart daily, which I believe is in almost every one of our hearts. When something happens in our heart, we go, why in the world did I do that? We mourn that in our own lives. We hurt, and our hearts hurt. And if our hearts don't hurt, then there's something wrong with us. The Indians used to have, and I've used this example before, they would say that there's a diamond that sits inside your heart. And every time that it, you do something wrong, it moves and it hurts. And so as that diamond moves and continues to move, and the more you do wrong, the more it continues to just rotate inside, and the more it gets calloused inside to where there's going to come a time that if you continue doing that, what happens? You don't care. You don't care. 
We need to care. But this is not about doing whatever to get to this or that. This is about me personally that I mourn those times and that's what God wants us to do. Why? Because I fall at the feet of Jesus. We fall at the feet of Jesus. All right, last thing. My grief is an opportunity to mourn with others. My grief is an opportunity to mourn with others. It's been over a little, little over a year ago that one of our young men who was 21 died. Car accident. It's been a little over a year and a half or two years when Bob Gregg lost his son. I remember the day going over to this couple's house with Bob, sitting in their living room. And how Bob could talk to that couple. Not like I could. Because he had been there. And he brought comfort to that family. Even though he was hurting, even though they were hurting, they brought comfort to one another. My grief, our loss, is an opportunity to mourn with others. Listen to this verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction God does so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction understand that God comforts us so that we can turn around and comfort others who are in, who are afflicted, who are going through loss, who are going through it. I can't tell you how many cards Deborah and I received this past week from you. Phone calls, text, even some flowers. At the loss, you were there. You are a comfort to the people in this church. And we can be a comfort to those who are without as well. I end with just this one thing. And here it is. The mourner cannot be comforted without one walking into the house of mourning. The mourning cannot be comfort without one, without one walking into the house of mourning. 
The reason we can, we know we have a Father who is comforting us, and we know we have Jesus who is comforting us, is because He's been there. He's suffered like we have. He has had loss in, in His life like we have. He has gone through exactly what we have gone through and are going through. That way I have comfort because He has been exactly where we are. And I can rely on him for that. Because I know that he knows exactly how we feel. Exactly how you feel. How we feel in those circumstances. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. That we might, that he might... Bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Arm yourselves with this same kind of thinking is what Paul is saying. Arm yourselves with this kind of thinking. That Jesus cares. Jesus is on your side. You can put back on your mask as we get ready to sing our invitation song. I want you to know that the invitation is always open to you. We're here to pray with you. Our men, our shepherds are here to pray with you. Tap them on the shoulder say, I need prayers. Whatever the loss is in your life, I need prayers. And remember, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you may need to do that today. And put him on in baptism. And accept him as your Lord and Savior. And allow him to be your comforter. Whatever you need is, would you come as together we stand and sing.